You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode number 47, airing on July 23rd, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to improve themselves so they can better engage and develop others. Whether you're a seasoned leader or leading people for the first time, Improving your leadership skills will drive your success, and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic, how your personality deals with the world. Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of Coaching for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak, and I am being joined today by the esteemed Bonnie Stahoviak, who is back here in studio to talk about the fourth and final personality dichotomy that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. So Bonnie, glad to have you back. Thanks for having me back. And for those of you who haven't heard Bonnie on the show before or joining us for the first time, you can learn about her at coachingforleaders.com forward slash Bonnie. And of course, you can learn about Coaching for Leaders just by going to our website, coachingforleaders.com. And if you are joining us for the first time, I am so glad to have you here with us, and we are in the actually getting toward the end now of our series on personality and how, as leaders, us looking at personality helps us to understand how we can more effectively lead others and help them to engage and develop themselves. And so we've been looking at this over the last few episodes, and we've been loosely using the model from the Myers-Briggs type indicator, which is originally from Carl Jung's research into personality over 100 years ago. And uh, today, what we're going to be looking at is how we all deal with the world. Now, this is from specifically the MBTI, the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. If you're familiar with MBTI, you may, and, and if you've been listening to the last few episodes, you know that Really, these the first three dichotomies of the MBTI, extroversion, introversion, which we talked about a couple episodes ago, um, sensing, intuition, and then thinking and feeling, those are all from Carl Jung's original research. Um, but uh, for those of you who are kind of into this stuff, you should know that uh, the last dichotomy was added on by Briggs and Myers when they first developed the Myers-Briggs type uh, indicator as an instrument uh, back in the early part of last century. And so um, now this is a, a little bit uh, oversimplified, but um, what we're going to be looking at today is really how that fourth dichotomy affects on how we all deal with and process the world. And I've asked Bonnie to jump into the conversation too, so that she can add in her perspective. Now, as you're listening today and you have questions for us, or you'd like to add in your comments to the conversation, be sure to visit our website, coachingforleaders.com, or you can call in a message to us at 949-38-LEARN or email at feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Com. And Bonnie, I've been thinking about this topic recently over the last few weeks, just as we've been thinking about and talking about personality. And I know you you were on a couple of your recent episodes and we've also been talking about this a lot, but I also been thinking about it because of that article that we saw in Slate Magazine on, uh, I think it's called, the title was called Chaos Theory, but it's the theory of 
how Muppets <laughs> process the world. And uh, for those of you who are Muppet fans like I am, anytime you see something uh, chaos theory tied to Muppets, uh, that just caught my attention and caught my eye. Um, so I thought that'd be a good place for us to start this conversation on how that, what that article was talking about and how it relates to how we lead people, believe it or not. It was such a fun article as well as they talked about it on a couple of their podcasts. And so you have the Chaos Muppet or the Order Muppet, and we have to decide which ones we are. And of course, some of them are pretty easy to characterize the Muppets out there. So we have Animal. Animal, of course, the epitome of the Chaos Muppet. And as far as the Order Muppet, Dave, who's the epitome of the Order Muppet? Oh, I think I just have to read a snippet from the article here. Uh, it says Order Muppets, and I'm thinking about Bert, Scooter, Sam the Eagle, Kermit the Frog, uh, and this is my favorite, the blue guy who's perennially harassed by Grover at restaurants, mm-hmm. tend to be the neurotic, highly regimented, averse to surprises, and may sport monstrously large eyebrows, <laughs> which I think is great. <laughs> Those are the order Muppets. And then, of course, the chaos Muppets are the uh, Muppets like uh, Cookie Monster, Grover, um, Gonzo, those types of uh, Rizzo the Rat. Yes. Well, I don't know. Rizzo the Rat. I'm not sure if it would fall into. Probably Rizzo the Rat falls into the Chaos Muppet category. One of the rules that they broke while they were talking about this whole idea was, well, a couple of rules. One was saying you are a order Muppet or as opposed to we've been using the word whenever possible of it being a preference, our default setting, which we've talked about in previous episodes. But for now, we'll just play around and and say, you know, Dave, which one are you? Are you an order Muppet or a chaos Muppet? Oh, I am very much an order Muppet. Yes, I believe that I am too. And one of the things that they talked about on their show was that sort of we have this ideal though of the chaos Muppet being the Muppet we all should aspire to be. And that's another thing that we've talked about is that we don't want to think of them as good or bad. And I and I thought it was kind of funny because I don't aspire to be more like animal, but there is kind of this old oh, oh, quality about it that, you know, just being in the moment and, you know, having fun that, you know, it's fun to think about, but I thought, oh man, I wouldn't hold up animal as the, the Muppet I go after. Yeah. And it's interesting because, um, you know, I think we all aspire to the types of things that we are not naturally good at ourselves. Yes. And as I think about some of the personality traits that I have and that are my natural preferences, um, there are some things that are really attractive to me about people who tend to be more of the quote unquote chaos Muppets that I would love to do more effectively. Those of you who have been listening to the show for a while will remember that Dave and I have a fairly new little boy. He's now five and a half months. And so he now is just getting to the point where he recognizes toys and finds a lot of delight in them. And my mom just bought him a little peanut. It's the cutest little stuffed animal. So you've got the peanut and then the peanut comes in its own little shell and it's kind of like a sleeping bag for the peanut. It's so cute. So it's going to be fun now, Dave, for us to be buying him toys and him to receive gifts and things. And one of the toys that we've heard that everybody loves is Elmo. And he has not met or seen an Elmo yet. In fact, I don't think we've read him any books yet that have Elmos in them either. So that will be fun. But people are convinced that Elmo is very popular among the kids. But we learned that Elmo is not so popular by the adults when they talked about that, that when the opposite Muppets get together, Mm. so you get a chaos Muppet and order Muppet when they get together and have a baby, they have an Elmo. And this was not said in the most flattering of contexts. This was said I as see. if it were an, as an insult, I suppose. <laughs> so 
<laughs> well, curiously, the folks at CPP who publish the Myers-Briggs type indicator do not use the terms chaos Muppet and order Muppet no. in their corporate personality no. assessment. Uh, one, it would be a huge copyright infringement. But secondly, it's probably not the best way to frame uh, this from a uh, from a research standpoint. But I do think that it's helpful just from a standpoint of kind of looking at these two dichotomies that we're going to be talking about today, which is how we all tend to orient ourselves and process and approach the world and deal with the world. So let's let's do some defining of terms here up front, Bonnie. So the two dichotomies that uh, the folks at MBTI utilize to describe these two different, um, you know, these two ends of the spectrum are a judging preference and a perceiving preference. And I do take, um, I should say up front here, I do take issue with some of the different um terms that are used in personality research because I think sometimes they um, make a, they get, make a judgment on uh, on what these terms mean and it doesn't really sound like what it actually is. So for example, I want to just say up front here, uh, it, for those who have a judging preference, it does not mean you are a judging person or a judgmental person. It means that you tend to be a person that tends to like to make decisions more and have order more, whereas the person with the perceiving preference tends to be more interested in taking in information. So uh, just a quick note on terms there of not to get too caught up in the terms that are being used here, but to really um, spend more time kind of understanding how these core preferences play into uh, into how we interact with others. So someone with a judging preference would tend to be more organized and want to have things more scheduled and planned out and would actually become energized by planning. And Dave and I are in the process actually of moving this week. So it's a pretty busy week. And I see him, I'm just absolutely amazed, David, how well you do at juggling so many different things in the planning. And, you know, well, certainly any move is a stressful process. We both are trying to find a lot of joy in it. And it's so fun to see you just get completely energized as things just come together and you're, oh, I love it. you're juggling the painters and the electricians and the guy coming out to service the air conditioning unit and all of that. And still, you know, when Luke and I came over today and visited at the new house, you know, you just still are, you know, really finding joy in it. And I just, I love that about your personality. And certainly that energizing by planning is certainly coming out with you. I, I find great joy in putting together a plan and seeing everything come together beautifully. I think we had, I was over at our new place earlier today, uh, this early this morning, and I think we had six or seven vendors there all at the same time and they were all on schedules and court and it all was working out just beautifully. And it gave me, um, such peace. I can't even begin to describe it. Yes. And I find a lot of pleasure in it as well. For those of us who are leaders who prefer judging, one of the things we need to keep in mind is that not everybody's going to plan things out like we do. And so we don't want to be micromanaging other people either and trying to get them to plan the same exact way that we would. And we're definitely going to need to be flexible with the real world because certainly, I mean, we think about a move, for example, I mean, things are going to go off course. And Mm -hmm. those of us that work in organizations, gee, funny, when we work with other people, they don't actually follow the same plan like we do. Life does not follow the plan that we do. And so we do need to have that ability to be more flexible and adaptable. And we do that for real practical reasons. You think about in the business world, you could really miss out on a lot of opportunities in the marketplace 
to take advantage of emerging trends right on the cusp of when that opportunity is most significant. And so we want to tap into our ability to be more flexible. So as far as those when we are leading others who have a judging preference, so maybe that's not your preference you're listening, but you're leading someone who does have this preference, you definitely want to get them in the room when you're doing long-term planning and scheduling, because they are going to be the people that will find joy in it, will be energized by it, and can really help you in that process if it's not a skill set that you have. Even if it is a skill set that you have, just more battery power for you as you, as you trek along the path. And I know, just speaking from my own experience, I've had uh, a number of times where I've worked in organizations and I've had leaders that have been very gracious to recognize the strength of planning an organization that I've had and have often, and I've had several leaders in my career who have really tapped into that and asked me to take on leadership roles and planning and structuring things out. And the organization has benefited tremendously from that. And the great thing is, is I love to do it. So. Um, and, and so that's something to really keep in mind as a leader is, um, chances are you have someone on your team, your organization who really does have not only a passion for this, but a great strength for it. That's the person to be, have involved in those conversations and to be starting to think things through. Um, and, and, and really it taps into their enjoyment and their job too. You are going to want to coach them if they get too caught up in their planning though and help them recognize that need to be flexible and be able to to have that kind of candid conversations with them that remind them that they need to be flexible. Yeah, and this is the big uh, danger and blind spot a lot of times for those of us who have a judging preference or who are leading folks with a judging preference is um, you know we can get really caught up in our plans and kind of miss opportunities, but also uh, potentially even be inflexible. And I think back, Bonnie, I was thinking about as we were preparing our notes for this episode back very early in my career, I remember I was putting uh, me and a bunch of the people I was managing and then a regional manager were trying to put together a meeting one day and we were trying to get everyone in the room. And it was one of those things where it was just nobody's schedule was working and we we're trying to coordinate five people's schedule. And we finally found a date that would work for everyone, except I had a dentist appointment that morning. And I had had my dentist, of course, you know, being someone who tends to have things scheduled out, I always have my six month dental appointment scheduled, you know, five and three quarters months out. And so um, I didn't want to reschedule my appointment. And I said, you know, I, well, I can't make it that morning because I've got a dental appointment. And I remember uh, the, the leader I was working for at the time was someone who just was a great coach and really uh, did exactly what I'd want leaders to do when they run into struggles with people potentially being inflexible. I remember he brought me aside and he said, you know what? It's up to you how you want to handle this. This is your team of people. But he's like, I I think you may want to consider seeing if there's a different time you could do your dental appointment. And he was very gracious, but he even said it nicer than that. I don't remember the exact wording. He said, uh, said, you know, just a little coaching for you. I think that that might be something you may want to consider adding some flexibility on because I think your team would really appreciate that. (laughs) And and now I look back and I think to myself, how ridiculous. Like I change appointments all the time. I'm so much more flexible than I used to be. But that was a good lesson for me because where the lesson was is not even being more flexible, but from a leadership standpoint is how to, as a leader, really approach things too. It was a very gentle coaching, a very gentle reminder. And because of that, I really took that coaching and that lesson uh, to heart. And I still remember it very much today about the importance of being flexible. 
The other preference here is called the perceiving preference. And I can tell you that I have just begun in the past few years to appreciate this preference more than I ever have in my life. They Mm. tend to be spontaneous, very adaptable. So they are going to be the ones who are just showing us and teaching us and modeling for us what that flexibility looks like. And they get energized by deadlines. So the deadlines coming up and that's when you just see them have the spark come about because that sense of urgency really fuels them on. And if you're wondering where you may fall along this dichotomy of judging versus perceiving, and again, these terms aren't the best, they just kind of are the the labels that are utilized to understand this dichotomy, is uh, think about how you handled your last vacation. If you went on vacation and you had things structured out as far as where you were going to go which day and when you were going to arrive and what you were going to do each day, um, you may be more on that judging preference side. If you were the type of person that said, you know what, we're going to figure things out as we go. We're not going to bring a map. We're going to see who we meet when we get there. Uh, Maybe we don't even know where we're staying when we get on the flight. Maybe we don't even know what flight we're going to be on. We're trying to fly standby and and save some money. You're maybe trending more toward that perceiving side of trying to live, uh, not trying to, but really tapping into living spontaneously and working spontaneously. I happen to think that judging, as Dave mentioned, is not the greatest descriptor for that particular dichotomy, but or part of the dichotomy, but I love perceiving. I love that word because to me, it really does describe one of the strengths of someone with this preference, and that is that they are in the moment and they can see what is. And Dave's mentioned this in, in past episodes here, and I certainly, it resonates with me too, is always living in the future always thinking about what's to come. And sometimes that's a huge help to be able to see that. I know for myself that I can think out and then all the steps that it will take to get to that long-term goal. But boy, to be in the moment, I get refreshed when I'm around someone who can see what's right there. And to have someone on your team who has this preference is incredibly helpful, especially if they have some of the other dichotomies that may or may not be different from you, but maybe they're able to see relationally when something's going on in the team and someone's feelings may be off put by something that happened and and you know you may not even realize it or see that but it's right there in the moment and just the ability to be ever present it's both energizing but also it can really reveal some insights into group dynamics for example one of the things i love about the people at cpp who published the myers-briggs type indicator is there and and utilize this model is they're big on teaching people that there's no one preference here that is better or best, that these are, you can be equally successfully at both. It's not, there's no right or wrong on how you fall in this dichotomy. The key is, is that as a leader, you recognize your strengths, your preferences, and also you recognize those preferences in others. And I say that because I've mentioned all along here during our series on personality of kind of what the business and organizational world tends to trend to on some of these different preferences. And certainly Uh, Those who have more of the judging preference tend to be a little bit more understood by the business and organizational world, tend tend to fit in a little bit more with how a lot of businesses and organizations tend to be structured and tend to like to have things planned out and organized and scheduled. And I mention that because you have to really have both of these preferences on a team. Uh, It's great to have people in the room who are the long-term planners, the schedulers, 
who can really um, uh, organize and plan things out. Uh, but I'll tell you, if you're an organization that is filled with people only of that preference, you will miss opportunities. You will miss being flexible. You will miss responding to the marketplace instantly. You will miss being able to respond to last minute customer requests and inquiries. And you absolutely need people who have a perceiving preference too. They get a bad rap sometimes in the organizational world, but you need those people for those tough situations as well. Here are a few tips for leaders who prefer perceiving. And the first is to be careful not to change directions too many times on people. And particularly if you're leading a large organization where culturally there's more of a mapped out, here's where we're going, that can get really, really confusing. It can get confusing even when it's a small organization, but particularly if organizationally the culture is more structured and planned out, you could, if you're, you know, have a large span of control, you could really become quite confusing to the people you were leading. So just be cautious about that. And from a standpoint of perceiving, if you tend to have that preference to kind of like to decide in the minute or wait till the last minute to make a decision on something, know that there are huge advantages to being able to give people more time to process something. Uh, Not everybody works well under pressure. Not everybody works well with decisions being made last minute. If you have are able to make decisions up front and spend some time doing a little bit of planning, a little bit of structuring, that helps a lot of people to make progress and produce quality work, particularly those of the people in your organization who may have the judging preference. So just be knowledgeable and, and, and aware of that as you're interacting with people. And uh, remember that you can and likely will on occasion drive those with a judging preference nuts. <laughs> um, and so just be conscious of that if you're changing directions a lot and living in the moment a lot. And same thing on the other side. Uh, if you're a leader that has really a strong judging preference, um, you know I know there are times I've driven people who work have worked for me and people in my organization nuts because of my um, on occasion inability to really be more flexible and to handle change as it happens. So that's something really to be aware of, regardless of which side you fall on, is to know where you fall, to be willing to look at the other side when things happen. One of the things we've talked about in past episodes is that. Our personality preferences are not an excuse for character issues. And one of the things that can happen with someone with a perceiving preference is the I'm late all of the time. Mm. And to me, that is becomes very close to a character issue. It's you know not doing what you say you're going to do. And right. then we get to the, well, that's just how I am. And so one of the things, you know, Dave, you mentioned, particularly here in the American culture, this is not true around the world. But in the American culture, we do have the the business meeting starts at 10. We're going to start at 10. And now, unfortunately, what we also have here in America is unless I'm the boss and then I'm going to decide to show up. And as long as you're there before I get there, which is always going to be a power game. And that's, you know, expensive for organizations to play those kinds of power games. It is. But definitely you're going to want to recognize if you are in a culture where time is more structured, which here in America it is finding ways to get yourself there early. There is no such thing as on time. Getting there early means you'll have that opportunity to be in the moment. You can build those relationships and take advantage of that part of your preference. But if you're always the one who's showing up late, as Dave said, our culture does tend to in the business world and then in the nonprofit world too, it does tend to really gravitate more toward the structure when it comes to timeliness of things. And this is a little off topic for this episode. We'll talk about this more another time. I saw an article recently about this and I've thought about this many times. So many decisions in organizations 
and organizational politics are handled in the five minutes before a meeting and the five minutes after the meeting. Mm -hmm. If you're the type of person that's always showing up either on time or late to meetings, you're missing half of the opportunity to really impact and interact with and influence people and organizations. So uh, something to keep in mind if you're really trying to um, organ, you know, influence people uh, through politics and, you know, every organization has politics. Uh, and if you don't think so, you're not, you're not really present to what's going on in your organization. So it's something just to be aware of and to be thinking about, about how you interact from a personality standpoint too. So how do we lead those who have a perceiving preference? The first thing is you want to help coach them if they aren't trending toward making decisions. If they're delaying a lot and it's, it's starting to impact the results that you're looking to achieve, it's time to step in. And also to really tap into their strengths when things need to change quickly, um, particularly when last minute things happen, when um, flexibility is needed, when you get a last minute request from a customer or a big client, uh, these are great people to have in the room to be able to handle that and to give the team confidence that they can handle and respond to that. Now, don't take that to the extreme and dump all the work on that person at, at the end of the day at when there's a deadline coming up, that's, that's not fair to them, but they're a wonderful person to be able to handle and start thinking about how they can change direction quickly. Great, great person to have in the room. And then of course, let them be flexible in the workplace. Um, you know, this is a great thing to be able to do for any type of employee to allow them uh, an appropriate amount of autonomy, uh, autonomy, and particularly those who have this perceiving preference, you know, uh, let them work on their own timeline, their schedule, you know, to the extent that that's possible within your organization. Um, you know, micromanagement isn't good for anyone, but particularly if you're working with someone that has a strong perceiving preference, um, micromanagement is going to be really, really nasty and difficult for both the leader and the person that's trying to be micromanaged. So something to be really careful about uh, and being able to provide that flexibility if you can you're in great shape of being able to um, help lead those who have a perceiving preference. Hopefully this introduction to type that we've been going through these past weeks has given you an opportunity to think about yourself and also about the people that you lead. And Dave and I have so enjoyed, I've enjoyed the times that you've invited me as a guest and I've loved the other guests that you have had as well. Mm, good, good. Yeah. I'm loving thinking back to Susan Kane. Those of you that are listening, if you did not hear when Susan Kane was there, definitely want to go back and check out the earlier episode. Yeah, and that's episode number 44, where we looked at the differences between, uh, well, actually in episode 43, you and I talked about the distinctions between extroversion and introversion. And then in episode 44, Susan Kane was here uh, talking about her New York Times bestseller, Quiet, the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking. So a great one to go back and check out as well. On our first episode on the personality series, we talked about how you can't just take a test or take some assessment and it tells you who you are because this is really a journey. One of the things that Dave discovered when he was doing his research for his dissertation that I thought was fascinating is that as we get older, we don't necessarily change our personalities, but that we do start to tap into the opposite of our preferences. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that's really kind of interesting to think about as we age and, and, you know, kind of exploring this whole side to ourselves. It hasn't been our default setting, but certainly is something that can be available to us. So if you're listening to these episodes and, and maybe you took the assessment and 
aren't really sure is this, you know, what my default setting is and wanted to explore that a little bit more, please send us an email. And there are ways that we talk about getting in touch with us. And and one of the things that we could do for you is a little bit of coaching around that to help you with that self-discovery process. Hey, Bonnie, thanks so much for joining me today. And uh, I'm so glad you were a part of the series. Thanks for having me back. Just a couple quick things before I let you go this week. A reminder that if you'd like to join the conversation on anything Bonnie and I discussed on this episode, and in particular, any comments or questions you have around this judging and perceiving preference dichotomy, definitely join us on our website at coachingforleaders.com. This is episode number 47, and you can join the conversation there. Or, of course, our feedback hotline, 949-38-LEARN. And email is great, too. And you can email us at feedback at coachingforleaders.com. And one thing that Bonnie mentioned at the very end of our conversation there is that, uh, you know, we had the thought that there are folks out there who may want to know more about personality preferences. And in particular, you as a listener may want to explore more around this. We've talked a bunch about personality in the last few weeks, and we're going to still talk a little more in the next episode, but uh, but we really just scratched the surface. And if you're interested in diving into that deeper and really doing some more exploration around your personality type, and maybe even would like to take the Myers-Briggs type indicator, uh, both Bonnie and I are able to administer that, um, send me an email and I will let you know as soon as we get the information for that up and running. Now, it's not something we uh, can do for free just because there is obviously costly assessment. And of course, anytime talking about personality, it really requires us to schedule some time one-on-one with you. But if that's something that you'd be interested in and would like to know more about, just send me an email to feedback at coachingforleaders.com and in the subject line just put personality and uh, just send a brief note and say hey i'd like to know more about that we do plan to get information out to you shortly if you do have an interest in that and uh, we've been holding off doing that just because we're moving our studios i mentioned last week so i'll get that to you shortly if you are interested again just email feedback at coachingforleaders.com put in the subject line personality and i'll get back to you as soon as we have some more information up and running about that and that way if you'd like to know more and you'd like to explore your personality preferences more i'd certainly love to work with you for uh, a little bit of time to help you to gain clarity around that and help you to be able to lead and coach others more effectively hey thanks so much for joining us today for this episode of coaching for leaders if this show and this episode have been helpful to you take a moment if you're an itunes user to uh, direct your web browser to coachingforleaders.com forward slash itunes and leave us a written review about the show i always appreciate your feedback and it also helps us to uh, really reach out to more people who search for us on itunes Hey, the link to the show notes is on our website, coachingforleaders.com. This is episode 47. As I say every week, this show airs every Monday. And hey, wherever you are in the world, whatever's on your agenda today, take one idea from this show to engage and develop someone you lead. Have a great week out there and look forward to talking with you again next Monday. Take care, everybody.